0: Well, it's that time again. It's time for another exciting episode of the Development Hell podcast. This is episode number 61. 61 times we've gotten together to try and talk about stuff and try to keep our friendship going, although it's often strained at times, especially during the pre-show. And, very strained. Uh, yeah. Very strained. So,
1: Ed, how are you? Um, I'm doing pretty good. I was uh, actually just in the process of typing uh, uh, in the chat for our Skype call to see how to pronounce our guest's last name. So, um maybe he'll uh no he'd be quiet. We haven't introduced you yet. Uh so, you just type a phonetic pronunciation into the chat room and we will go move on and pretend we haven't heard you yet.
0: So on the on this exciting episode of the podcast, we have uh a very special guest. Uh One that, you know, I'll I'll be honest, usually some of the guests are like, one of us really wants to have the person on, and the other one's kind of like, well, whatever, if you want to bring them on. I mean, you're not going to lie, it's kind of that way. Sometimes some of the people I've suggested is like, made that exact noise that he just made. Um, But in this case, it's actually somebody that both of us, (coughs) excuse me, wanted to get on, um, and interestingly enough, for two different reasons.
1: It was my idea.
0: um, before we introduce our guests, let's talk about our sponsors.
1: Oh, yes. Our sponsors. That was a great segue, Chris. Thanks. Um, Our sponsors tonight uh, are two of our favorite people in the world, groups of people in the world. The first is Wonder Network, uh, who are responsible for the bandwidth that we use to stream to all single digits of the people who are listening. Uh, And they provide us with hosting and the bandwidth, which is pretty awesome. Um, And uh, let's see, what's Wonder Network up to this week? Wonder I keep misspelling it. I just almost type Word or Network. Let's type in wondernetwork.com and see what they these guys are up to. So they're a global networking solution provider. That uh, that doesn't mean anything. I gotta tell you that right now. That doesn't it doesn't mean anything. But I'll tell you about something that is cool is that they have a thing called the natural load testing, um, which is uh, not some people originally I thought it was testing for fecal matter and the makeup of that, but no, actually it is for testing, uh, a real world usage of your website, but, uh, on, to see if your website can hold up to stuff. So they have a really cool, uh, automated client that handles like that kind of stuff. And there's lots of fancy junk you can do with it. So we haven't talked about their stuff much before, but they give lots of really cool graphs and, uh, you can move around and stuff animates and it's crazy. And, uh, The, the actually, I guess the cool thing is that they act like users. The, the thing actually behaves like a user would as opposed to say how a bot might behave or some program or like something like Apache Bench that just throws as many requests, get requests at one place as possible. So it's uh, a pretty cool, uh, thing. Uh, It'll fill out forms to get CSERF tokens, use cookies and stuff like that. Um, it actually loads the whole page like with CSS, JavaScript and things like that. Um, I've been uh, making fun of uh, Wonder Network for a long time, but actually, the, the the natural load testing is super cool, and that is one of the several cool things that they do. So you should definitely check those things out. Now, Rove, I am going to make fun of uh, Rove as our other uh, long running sponsor, um, and they're just great people. You know, it, it turns out uh, I really have no idea what they do, but they're just great guys. And I think that if you like good people, uh, why could you maybe just lend them five bucks? I mean, they'll probably be good for it. Just, you know, it's gotta get, they want to get lunch. They're thinking about going to go to Subway. Um, that was my understanding was that, uh, you guys are going to Subway. Chris, are are you guys going to Subway for lunch tomorrow?
0: I wouldn't know because I work remote, so I don't get free food that like some of the thought leaders in this community seem to enjoy.
1: Oh yeah, so you won't be getting Subway. But if Rove can raise five dollars for everybody in the office, that's five per person, uh, they will be able to go to Subway and eat uh, one of those tuna foot long subs, which uh, are the things that I enjoy from Subway. Except I never actually eat there. So, uh, and then well, of course, what's we've wrong got- with Subway? It's terrible, Chris.
0: What? I I love, I love their cheese and veggie subs. Those are really good. What are good. you talking about? What?
1: Well, no wonder they hired you. Oh, Jesus Christ. Can, could you at least go to Blimpy?
0: B- Blimpy? Yeah, Blimpy. Yeah, never heard of it.
1: Never heard of Blimpy, huh? Shaq loves Blimpy. Who? Shaquille O'Neal.
0: Who's Shaquille O'Neal? Thank you, as always, to our awesome sponsors. Yes, I know who Shaquille O'Neal is, and the he was, Ro- he was Ro- in Aladdin, right?
1: Shazam, wasn't he played a genie in a movie? He did. And um, also, <laughs> I own uh, and went he, to Loyola Marymount. He was a uh, Loyola Marymount. Didn't he go
0: to oh. Loyola Marymount? No, oh, he went to LSU. Was it LSU? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I remember watching him play in the NCAA tournament, thinking, "What a dumb name Shaquille is." Yeah, kinda. But um
1: I was a different person back then. You were a different person, an angrier person. Now you're much more accepting of things now. Um th- th- also uh, we had we, we sh- I should find out what the foundation is doing. Have you given any money to anybody yet?
0: Uh we'd have to talk to number 1 uh sponsorship money skimmer uh Gary Hawken to oh, see that's right. uh, what's going on. I'll ask him when I when I um, see him online tomorrow. Uh I think that
1: I had heard that actually they had spent the money on um Bags of baked lays at some point.
0: I I could actually see that to be perfectly honest.
1: Yeah. So um, maybe we should go back and edit out the part about the
0: foundation. Yeah. Well, you know, we can always fix it in post. No problem. Okay. We'll do that. All right. (laughs) So, again, without uh, our awesome sponsors, uh, it makes doing this podcast a lot more uh, difficult, um, despite what people think. You know, the podcast does not cost us zero dollars to produce. Um, so thank you to Wonder Network, Paul and uh, Will and Gemma uh, Ansible, who has joined us in uh, chat today. Uh, very nice for her to tell Wait. us about an upgrade Upgrade to where where's it up. They should have updog.com. I think so. They could just say, to people, what's up, dog? And they could always say, nothing much. What's up with you?
1: If it was from uh, Indiana, it would be, where's it at? Where's it at? Because where's they always at? say at at the end of things unnecessarily.
0: Oh, really, I wasn't aware of that.
1: I don't I really it really is very upsetting to
0: me. All right, anyway, let's uh let's move on. So we have a very special guest who spelled his name phonetically for us. Thank you very much. So it's uh Chris Fidow. You got it welcome done. to Fidow. the show. So uh <laughs> welcome to the welcome to the show, thank you, thank asshole. You. So um, so. <laughs> So we're going to talk about uh, servers for hackers, info products, nginx versus Apache versus your mom, old tech that keeps on keeping on, and whatever else we feel like talking before Ed gets sick of hearing me uh, talk about stuff. So, guy with the awesome same name as me, Chris. Why don't you tell our listeners who I am? Stunned if they don't know, don't know who you are already, but none of us as you should edu- educate us as to. Who you are and why we're talking to you.
2: Cool. Uh, I am a person on Twitter, okay. <laughs> which is, I don't know, this is how I know everybody. I don't know anyone in real life. Um, so I'm a person on Twitter, and I do stuff about servers, and it's um, mainly towards hackers being uh, programmers, and even not necessarily professional programmers, just you know, whoever who happens to know a bit of programming. And I try to teach people about server stuff, and that is specifically because server stuff is random crap that we end up having to know despite our kind of best intentions of of just trying to stay as programmers.
1: Well, that makes sense. Sweet. Yeah, I like that. You think Chris is still here? The other Chris? The yeah, one I'm still I'm
0: here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I just mute because sometimes I move around while you guys are talking. You, know? you want to hear me drop and slam my water glass against the table? I won't mute.
1: No, that's okay. At least I know you're there. Yes, it's absolutely. important that I know you're here. Um, so i have been can't... working
0: on that fake sincerity. That's really good progress, Ed. Thanks, buddy.
1: I've been uh, reading. I can't remember, but I think I was a pretty early subscriber to your newsletter. Cool. Um if, yeah, you sh- you don't remember me signing up? <laughs> I
2: think I actually yeah. legitimately might, uh, which now sounds like an excuse, but um, sure. I I feel like I remember seeing your email pass by.
1: See that there you go, right? Well, because you, you know
2: it. how I, I use Mailchimp and Mailchimp sends you a thing, but it'll give yeah. you like a list of like three people, no matter how many people actually logged in. Like your your daily email report or mm-hmm. whatever they give you. Mm-hmm. The thing where they tell you that, like, when you send your new email out, you get thirty unsubscribes and like twelve subscribes.
0: You know, you know what I do, Chris. When I see the, because when I see the Mailchimp emails for my own newsletter, every single person that I see that's unsubscribed, I go to a spammer form and say, "Hey, this is a good email address," <laughs> and I give it That usually is is. I'm doing that while I'm having my first coffee of the day. Definitely. So all of you people
2: thinking about unsubscribing. Just now.
1: Yeah. Don't, don't, don't do not you
0: don't unsubscribe ever unsubscribe from my newsletter <laughs> ever. It's a hotel, California of newsletters. You can subscribe anytime <laughs> you want, but you can never leave.
1: So, yeah, that's real funny. I, uh, was an early subscriber, uh, I think to the newsletter. And one of the things I, I, I guess I enjoyed from it was that, or I enjoyed about it and found really useful was that, uh, it made a lot of sometimes esoteric like knowledge that I had to collect from lots of different places and kind of esoteric stuff that you maybe know and maybe don't know. And uh, it's hard to track down. You find some how to that works for some old version of Ubuntu and that's all you can get. Um, It collected that it it like it was designed exactly for somebody like me who was primarily a programmer, but you kind of by, definition sort of have to know how to do ops stuff, too, to some extent. And um, I found that it was really accessible, aimed at people who had some knowledge of stuff, you know, were maybe a bit comfortable with the command line, but didn't necessarily, you know, understand why, you know, okay, how do I set up an, a mail server? How do I, what, you know, how do I set up NGINX or things like that and, and stuff like that. And so I found it really filled a like a, maybe a, a need I didn't appreciate as much until I started reading it, just how, um, how nice it was to have a central place that I felt like was always going to have quality, accessible guides to setting things like this up and it always uh has i think you've really kept that high quality so i'm kissing your ass kind of <laughs> but i just want to say that it's been a useful it's been really useful to me um for a while and now and um i think i just think it's a it's a really good job and i'm just curious of, like what were you trying to do when you set out like what were, what were you envisioning that you're trying to get to to accomplish here uh with with the service for hacker stuff
2: yeah um I mean, like, <laughs> getting a higher Twitter account? That's no, just kidding. Because um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my entire life is based on my Twitter follower account. Um trying to decide if i'm joking or not that's why i'm laughing Um, (laughs) but anyway um i guess i i guess what happened is i just kind of ran into enough issues at work where i had no idea like why stuff was broken or what happened or you know why this big site that we were trying to launch at like 4 or 5 a.m would just be broken and you know a lot of this stuff was server related so i would just kind of google around of what's happening and figure it out and then i would fix it but that knowledge was gone after that because um i just you know it was gone because i didn't write it down i didn't save it anywhere so at one point i started just kind of writing down all this random stuff i learned as i needed it so i would just make like markdown files and they would just list out the commands i had to use or just something like that and that kind of turned into it. Just turned into a big folder of files. And it was just really random and all this kind of junk of knowledge. But but it was like you said. Like if I needed, um, if I needed like a load balance environment, you know, what does that do to my application, or just some stupid information like that that I needed to know, I would have a place to go to and look at it. Um, and that that turned into. I'm trying to think of where I came up with the idea of 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 a newsletter with that information. Um I mean it was near when I started the newsletter, which I think was like February or something like that of um this year mm-hmm. or, of, or uh, no, I'm sorry, of of 2014 actually. Mm-hmm. Um and then um yeah, I don't know. Oh, I guess the other part of that is I started blogging a lot on the my blog fiddlefer.com. Um and that turned into kind of this mix of coding stuff and server stuff. And I kinda I had a good amount of server stuff to just start and make a newsletter out of it. So then I started a newsletter and built up some stuff that I thought was just kind of a good general knowledge, which is just like installing Nginx or Apache or mm-hmm. using Vagrant, that kind of thing. Um so now at this point I have no idea if I'm answering your question anymore but that's kind of the genesis of it it's just like I'm a developer I don't know enough about the server stuff and at work it's really becoming a problem because there's sites that are crashing or you know we have these late launches and the code itself is an issue but now on top of that there's all the server stuff and so I just wanted to learn about that so I kind of made an effort to learn about the server stuff quote unquote and quotes the server stuff and Uh, I just started writing down, you know, as much as I could, basically, just so I could remember it later.
1: Did you have a plan uh, to make money doing this? No. (laughs) So your intent was really, or was your intent primarily just to say, "I'm just going to get information out there for people to use uh, to be a resource."
2: Yeah, um, I mean, I just wanted to get information out there. Essentially, Um, it's I I like writing, so I'm really bad at open source in terms of actually producing any code that people find useful but I've always been I've always been okay at writing and and like explaining um, stuff like stuff like code stuff like server stuff and so you know I like doing what I'm good at. People say, Hey, this is a good blog. They retweet it or whatever. So it so it's just kind of more reason to keep doing it, I guess. So it was just coming from that angle that I was like, Oh yeah, I'll start a newsletter about this and just see how it goes. Cause you know, this is interesting to me. I think this is something that people will be interested in. Um, and you know, cause you can kind of tell people, people, you know, people who are programmers, people in the PHP community, especially, I think, um, don't know server stuff because you don't have to, it's not in your face as a problem. You have to get over and learn when you first start out. Um, so as a result of that, I think a lot of people don't know and that bites them just like a bit me. So I, you know, I just kind of figured there'd be a niche of people who would want that information.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, have you, have you taken steps? I'm not sure, but I think you remind me because I'm, I'm terrible at this. Did you put out a book? Oh yeah, of course. Uh, of course, course.
2: this is what you do, right? When you have a content. Um, so eventually I did the newsletter enough. I had enough content to put it together into a book. So I did that and then I added some extra and I fleshed out some stuff and the service for hackers ebook was born out of that. Um, so that is, um, that did well. I mean, purchases by now have kind of trickled out to, to not a lot. Um, but the uh the book was a lot of fun it was just like a lot of i got to put all this stuff into kind of a more coherent structure and and you know the chapters kind of jump around a little bit just because there's a lot to know but uh you know that was good i had a good base of knowledge or a good base of content to just kind of put together and something that's a little more coherent than the than the newsletter itself
1: right yeah and of course you know it makes some dollars which is nice Make some dollars mm-hmm. now, Chris. I'm sure you have lots of questions and and lots of things to point out about the terrible mistakes he made in terms of <laughs> monetizing his ideas. Everything, everything's right.
0: I don't think so. I mean, it's. I mean, clearly, what Chris has done. Okay, one of the things that that I learned through the product development stuff that I did was this idea of of you know you get the greatest amount of success by solving a problem that people have. And um, clearly, Chris came on to something. So he started collecting all these things and lots of interest in it. So clearly, there was a demand for what he was doing. But there's, um, I mean, clearly, Chris wasn't as like mercenary about this whole process as I was. And that, that's fine, whatever. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure whatever money came in from his book, he's grateful that he got that stuff because uh, because really, this is about solving problems for people, right? And and so, the, but the, the difference it seems to me is that I see a lot of people, they come up with ideas and they fall in love with the idea without ever actually understanding whether or not, whatever this thing is that they're trying to do, whether people will actually care enough to give you money for it. So, all these things that I do, and I, and I admit that the that my book that I just did probably has a pretty short shelf life just simply because the PHP folks got their, got their act together and PHP seven will have a lot of stuff in it that is so attractive in, in Facebook's hack. But the whole point was though, I did look at it and say, you know, I looked at Facebook stuff and I saw there wasn't a lot of information and people were interested in finding out how this thing works and how they can use it. So what Chris has done here is probably a very, um, maybe kind of did it in reverse order and maybe stumbled into something, but clearly, Chris now has the whole branding thing down pat. Very, I look at the website; it's all very consistent, and he provides very good and timely information. Uh, I get the newsletter too because I wanted to see what he's talking about, um, and once and once in a while, there's a gem in there um, that I can use. So, it's not that he's done anything wrong; he's just done it differently. He's had success. He's just done it differently. This is why I'm so anti-startup for the most most part, because so many people come up with ideas without even knowing whether anyone else even cares, and whether anyone is going to give them money. Because in the end, you need to make some money off of all these things. I just don't spend all this all my spare time doing stuff just because I like doing it. I do. I have to like doing it in order to produce good quality stuff. Because I know whenever I mail it in, I can always tell when I go back and read what I did, I can always tell. But but the bottom line is, you know, if you're going to make a commitment to something like this, in my case, a brand of all the grumpy stuff. And and Chris has clearly committed to being the servers for hackers guy. And that's probably something you'll, good or bad, you'll never be able to shake because that's what people will associate you with now. but um, But the idea that you want to do something that people want. And as far as I can tell, Chris has successfully executed on that particular part of the plan.
2: Yeah, hopefully.
0: <laughs> well, not hopefully. If someone gave you a dollar for something that you've done, and yeah. you've executed that plan successfully. When you when you compare the, the 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 things that you have done you are in that I mean even less than 1% of developers have probably did this if we want to apply labels to it. You have joined a very small group of people of developers that that got over their hang-ups about money and got over their hang-ups about marketing and said, hey, I have a whole bunch of information I'm happy to share with you, and guess what? I'm going to expect to be paid for some of this too and not just get all hung up. And, I mean, lots of people seem to be, developers especially, very hung up about money and about producing things, and they've gotten a very wrong idea of of what it is that they're doing. If you're being paid to do something well, um, you're being paid for your skills, so why not get paid for those skills by other people? In the end, you have to pay some bills, and the businesses that you need to work on, they need to succeed as well. Most people are not in a position like what Ed's going to be in very shortly, whether with a VC uh, funded or outside funding situation. Most things have to stand on their own and you got to learn how to make money. You have to learn. Developers Developers deciding to be willfully ignorant about business related matters, you're just really um, cutting yourself out of a lot of opportunities to not only learn things, but to be successful as well. I find for me personally, my career went a lot better once I embraced the idea that, It's also, not only is it important for me to know the skills in order to do my job, it's also important for me to learn how the companies that I work for, actually how they make their money and what they are doing, so that when an opportunity comes up for me to contribute, I can say, hey, I have this idea, and I see that we're doing it this way, and it's inefficient for the following reason, or it's costing us money. Have we considered trying this? And sometimes I'm right, and sometimes I'm wrong. But in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking about whatever I'm working on, I'm going to, I want to put a good effort into it, and I want to do something that's going to provide money to the business because without the money, I'm not going to get paid.
1: Amen. Yep. <laughs> so, first, what do you do to actually make money?
2: Uh, well, I work full-time at Userscape. Um, so I work on... Um, well, okay, so Userscape makes uh, support help desk products. I work on help mm-hmm. Spot, which is the... Um, it's kind of the primary product that usescape and it's a standalone or by standalone I mean it's a product that people can install on their own infrastructure it's not a SaaS Um, you know helps desk enterprise-y support application
1: I gotcha, sure, sure so that's the main Uh, deal
2: Um, other than anything else I do on the side to try to make money
1: right, so you're always hustling you'd say
2: (laughs) always be closing
1: yeah, there you go, right um it, it now and I admit I'm, I'm not sure of this but are you prim- do you primarily have you primarily done PHP?
2: Oh 100%. Yeah. Pro, um, 100%. Well, okay. 100%. I mean I primarily do PHP. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um and then other stuff is is extra. There is like I think I've just introduced the first bit of Python into uh, what will be a production code base. Um and then on the side I've played with Python and, and Barely any Ruby, but, uh, and Mm -hmm. what, no JS and stuff like that. Sure. Everyone's got to know the JavaScripts.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of hard to avoid that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, have you, uh, when in doing this kind of stuff, do you find that, uh, are you, do you actually, you know, this would be an interesting thing. Um, what kind of do you have any metrics on the kind of people on the people who are reading your stuff and have you do you get do you think that say there are more php folks reading your newsletters than others or have you done that the yeah. research or anything like that
2: i did a wufu form and i'm oh very nice not yeah. i don't know if i'll be able to find it it was one of my newsletters and i really have to admit it was like I didn't have an idea for that week and I was like well I don't I'm interested to, I'm interested to know who everyone is so I just kind of did like a woofo form um, right. asking who everyone was because I think I had like a really busy time where I just couldn't put out a newsletter that week or something was going on um, but that was really interesting because there's a lot I mean there's plenty of people who do DevOps primarily or or even just in addition to their you know as on the side in addition to their professional programming stuff um, right. majority of people were definitely PHP. Um, but there were also a you know an okay number of like Python and Ruby people, maybe some Java.
1: Mm-hmm. And you you try uh, hard to keep your keep this stuff pretty, I guess, programming language agnostic, right?
2: I try to, and it's not it's not too bad. I'll I'll tend to do what have I done? I guess I've t- I'll tend to do PHP or Node.js specific examples, um, and is also hard to get away from some stuff that touches on php at least just because i mean it's a lot of my audience so i'm i'm am gearing towards that a little bit um but my other the other problem is is that i played with php enough to know kind of like how to host django sites and Flask sites and that kind of stuff when it comes Mm -hmm. to ruby like i have the concepts down but i haven't actually done that so like there's a very little ruby stuff going on
1: right i gotcha i gotcha that makes sense so okay, so I'm looking at our our list of questions here, and it says one of the things is, what devs should know about DevOps. Do you have uh, something that you might say about that? Like, I'm I, so basically, I'm asking you a very vague question, <laughs> expecting right. you to fill a bunch of content. <laughs> and
0: I have an in- I have a what I think will be an interesting follow up question, but once Chris answers okay, cool. this
2: one, okay, cool. Um, so the first thing, and this took me years and years to get off of, is. Starting with a development server of some kind. That's not something that is installed for you. So getting off of MAMP or WAMP or whatever, using Vagrant, um, that's a good way to get into server stuff because you're kind of forced in a safe way where you can just completely screw stuff up and start over. Um, you're forced to do some, you know, at least a little bit of server stuff, like log into a server and, uh, You know, see around the file system or something, or maybe you have to restart Apache or Nginx or something, or maybe you actually have to install all this stuff yourself too, in which case you're learning how to install a web server and, you know, at least some basic configuration for that. Um, Now, on top of that, um, well, actually, I remember installing my first server stuff, and I used, I was on an Ubuntu server, and I used, what is it, test cell or something like that? It's a command that you just say install web server. And it does like a, it does LAMP for you. Um, And and it's just like, you're done. It's there. You have, you know, Mm my SQL and everything's kind of set up for you. Put your files here and it works. Um, But you don't really figure out what goes on with that. You don't know what it installed. Um, And you can find out, maybe you can find like the Stack Overflow question where someone answers that. And it's a list of a million packages. Um, Right. And and after that, I figured out how to install the stuff myself. Um, and I remember that specifically being like a scary step. Like this thing I had just installed everything for me. And then all of a sudden I'm running commands to install specific packages. And like, what if I don't have all the packages I need? And I don't know how this is gonna happen. Um, but it ends up being super easy. You just do like Afghan install and you do like Nginx PHP. And you're almost done there. That's like 99 of the stuff. Or maybe, but maybe you have to add like PHP's MCRYPT or um, you know whatever, just the stuff to get to my, my SQL or Postgre or something. Um, and then you know this is best PHP. So, but for Python and Ruby, there's some differences. But um, in terms of getting set up with like a PHP type thing. It ends up being so much easier than you think. You just like run these commands and it works. People have figured out the hard stuff for package dependencies and all that, and it just gets installed. Um, so that that is kind of like an evolution, at least mine, to start to figure out server stuff. That made me comfortable with it because it wasn't hard to kind of like figure stuff out, um, you know, at that level. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had another point, and that's now slipping out of my mind. Um, oh, okay. Chris, Chris can
1: always <laughs> just fill time.
2: I got, I got one more thing. Um, and, and like years later, I figured out that there is this thing that actually monitored processes to make sure they don't die. And this mm-hmm. is something that like you just you just don't as a PHP developer. You just like don't hear about in-it processes like uh, like what are they like upstart or system D or system mm-hmm. five in it or just whatever your operating system happens to come with. Um, but they're really important because they start stuff up when your server boots and they start them or shut them down and your server t- turns off. And if something fails, it will restart it. So, you know, that's super important when you have something in production, you need to make sure it's always running. Um, so that's something that I don't think is really talked about, and I like to put a lot of that stuff in. Like if I, if I have a new server hack- for hackers um, edition or video or whatever on... Installing some software, I'll always try to also be like, and this is how you keep it running, you know, when your server restarts or whatever and do an upstart configuration or something, you know, what depending on whatever server I'm on. Um, and that is super handy to know. And um, it's just not like, like you read all these tutorials and that's just skipped. It's like, here's how to install Some search engine like Sphinx search or something, I don't know. And then, but then it just leaves you there. And you're like, well, you know, if I restart my server, it didn't boot back up or something went wrong and it's not there anymore. And do I really have to log into my server all the time?
1: Yeah, I admit that I just assume, and I I almost always use Ubuntu or some other Debian based thing. So I'm just like, I assume that when I installed it with apt get, it, it just it also set up all the stuff that would need to reboot it right but you know, when yeah. I shut, when i restart so i just assume it worked I don't, I don't know you know uh and i don't i don't really know and i don't really know why it works <laughs> it's like why does it come back up again i don't yeah, know exactly. it just does
2: like that didn't even cross my mind for the longest time until probably right. until something failed and i'm like oh god
1: yeah right yeah so if it doesn't come up i'm like oh shit i have no clue how to fix this yeah yeah, so that's why I'm shouldn't be an ops person. I get a lot of training, but yeah, um, that's you now that's really interesting. Um, boy, I had a question too, and then well,
0: I'm just it. gonna do the follow up because you kind of oh, touched, yeah. on, touched on it a little bit, Chris. Do you feel like with all these tools um, available to, I guess the correct term is non-hardcore sysadmins, That now you can get a certain level of willful ignorance from other developers because now they see, oh, I just have to install. Like you said, you find you talk about installing something like Sphinx Server, right? Uh, For search stuff. It's like now they just, yeah, I just went to this page and I typed uh, app get and did all this stuff and and now it's there. Uh, Like, do you find that people are, some people are being lulled into a, a false sense of false confidence that developers are now convinced that? um Sysadmins are no longer required and that also because they can do these sort of things they're not um, keeping in mind that should the app prove to be used by more than one or two people they will probably need some custom stuff for the server to get it to stay up so you now have people who uh, I think what I'm trying to say is that people no longer think that are are necessary and also that these tools, the ease by which we can install packages and get a very basic configuration going for all these tools makes people think that there's nothing to it and that, um, you know, uh, also, con- you know, conversely that, well, a developer, I don't need to hire a system in because I can just get the developer to do it. They, they, can use, they can go search online how to install these things.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. So I think part of my reason for teaching people is because I, I think that is part of it. Like, like, I'm kind of conflicted in my answer because there's the part where, like, developers should learn this. It's good for your career. It's it's good for you to know just when problems happen. It's good for communication between you and a, a DevOps or a system manager, um, system administrator, if you have one. Um, but the other side of that is is just like you're saying is that people can be like, yeah, I just ran this script and copied and pasted it and it worked. And if something goes wrong, I have no idea. Um, you know, kind of. I don't care because it's it's. <laughs> I don't know. I don't care because like I don't have to know, type deal. Um, and uh, I don't know. Like like my, my 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 buy my book answer is yeah. You really have to know this stuff. Um, the reality is that some stuff is not hard, and you can get away with a lot of of just kind of like following the tutorial, not really knowing what it's doing but you'll quickly run into issues and, and wish someone was there to tell you like how to fix whatever. Um, So, you know, it's, it's like, you can get away with that, but only for a little bit of time.
0: Because that's kind of been, I mean, my background in doing system stuff is uh, I, I ran Linux boxes like 15 years ago, 20 years ago. So, um I'm comfortable in that command line environment. So I have no problems, you know finding my way around on a server and installing packages and having have a pretty good idea where to find configuration files and where the logs should be and about permissions and about things like um, you know upstart and system d. and um, you know I remember, uh, doing things like using scripts to um, add things so that you could restart them using init.d commands and all that stuff. So those are all things I just learned partially because I was, you know, younger and had a lot more free time. And just I, I found it helped me when it came time to actually Set a server up and you're writing, you're creating an application, not just the code, but the application itself that you start understanding all the moving parts so that when you are debugging a problem, you don't just give up, uh, because it's like, well, I don't, you know, I'm getting some weird error and I don't understand where that error is coming from. The code work, the code works fine over here, but doesn't work here. And by not, by basically just ignoring this, the, the system inside of things because all you've ever done is run sudo apt get install um, you're you're cutting yourself off from a, from your ability to troubleshoot and this becomes a money monetary thing too and I've talked about this in the context of like how much it could cost your company for people not testing stuff properly there is a cost that when you have basically amateurs doing your um, managing all your servers there's a you know there is a cost associated where if you have someone who's qualified you know it, it will actually cost you way less than letting you know your two, uh, you know your two developers who are high on Red Bull, um, basically trying to debug the debug um, the, the server for you, trying to figure out why, um, you know, what the problem is.
2: Yeah, a hundred percent. It's it's helped me so much to know what's going on, or at least have a clue of where to look of of what's going on. If I didn't know what was happening, you know why? Um, you know, there's a time where like I I was that guy who just threw MongoDB into a project one time a few years ago or something. I don't know. Um, And it was like, it was for like a little bit of functionality in the, in the greater application. And it wasn't like the main database or something, but it just broke all the time. And I had no idea what I was doing or, or what was going on. Um, And just stuff like that, like just kind of, like years later, knowing where to look for stuff, um, because I've I've had experience just banging my head against that kind of issue. That's um, it's just so helpful. It just makes everything so much quicker. Um, like like you know when you spend three hours of your eight hour day just figuring out like why map doesn't have m crypt or something, and it's just something so stupid, and you don't know where to look or why it's happening. It's it's just a waste. It's a complete waste.
1: So, how would you respond to folks who are say, "I'm just going to throw it at Engine Yard or uh, a Heroku container or something like that, (laughs) where it just magically makes everything scale for you and stuff like
2: that"? Yeah, I mean that's still a good idea. You don't if you don't if your time costs you money and that kind of thing, then um, or if it's just like not your core competency, then it might totally be worth. It, handing that problem off to someone else um, mm-hmm. but you still should know kind of what's going on under the scenes because there's stuff that'll come up and their tech support won't get back to you for three hours and your site's down and that kind of thing you know there's still things you should know um, but at the same time like um, someone commented on service for hackers today and said like your design needs help and I'm like yeah I 100% agree I'm not a designer and I'm not going to try to be a designer it's like when I make enough money I'll I'll pay someone to do that part I'm not gonna learn design because that's such a huge departure from my main focus and that could definitely be someone's situation in like uh, in DevOps either because um, they have a different focus um, like maybe maybe like data science or something is their focus and so like Programming is part of data science, but like the server stuff, like it's just like I have all this other stuff I need to go over and learn just to get this project up and running. I don't care, you know. Maybe that's a good time to throw your stuff in Heroku or, or Engine Yard or mm-hmm. whatever.
1: Right. Um, by the way, your design is better than like ninety eight percent of <laughs> anybody else would do. <laughs> so I don't know why that did. some people just love to talk shit. It's
2: just know. it's just Twitter, you know. It's how it is. Yeah, you can't do whatever. anything.
1: Yeah,
0: yes. Yeah. So so actually, um, you, know, you mentioned Twitter. So how integral do you think um, Twitter has been in your success with servers for hackers? Uh,
2: completely. Um, and not necessarily. It's because uh, friends and people have retweeted what I have. So, um, or retweeted stuff I put out. Like, I actually read a lot of publicity, I guess is the word I'm looking for, for that. Um because it, it helps a lot, right? Like, you get a following. Like, I started getting a following for Laravel tweets. Got retweets, uh, like, occasionally from the Laravel PHP Twitter account, but also from, like, Lansman and interest people related. And got a sort of a following from that. And then grew into some server stuff from that kind of thing. And then, you know, all the retweets really help. Um, my f- Twitter following is, you know, not huge, but it's in a few thousands. So, like, that it helps to be able to To have an audience, like I would, I would kill to have like a Jeffrey Way type Twitter account to have an audience listening to me and saying like, "Hey, I just put this video out. Um, You know, if it's worth your money, pay pay me for it (laughs) And, uh, and learn something new."
0: Um, I've had some interesting conversations with uh, with Jeffrey about business stuff. and um, it's clear to me that the um, though both though both of us have been successful, um, we approach it from two very uh, different perspectives. so it's 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 good to to kind of, sometimes get a feel for other people by the way just so you know you have 5,227 followers Sweet. just so you know awesome I, I have more but that's to be expected it's also not enough
2: it's never enough until, no, I, only, until yeah. I have like 100,000 and even then the next number will be like 500,000 it's just never enough yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, I mean, I know for, I'm. I, I know that uh, my experience has been that Twitter also was hugely, hugely uh, integral in in getting my uh, ideas across. And I think for something like uh, these niches that we're occupying, where we're trying to highlight information and, and share stuff that, that social media is is something that really, really works well. But it, it's interesting, interesting too because a lot of people um, think that newsletters are dead. And I know that I have not been paying attention to my newsletter um, in a way that I should, mainly because I've kind of felt like um, I've kind of talked about everything that I've wanted to talk about in its current format. So I'm trying to work on different ways of saying the same thing, to try to uh, approach it from a, uh, to try to reach a different audience, to reach a different group of people, um, maybe groups of people that I, I wasn't able to help before. So when, when you're writing your newsletter, are you, are you thinking about a particular audience? or Are you more like just kind of writing what you want to write without thinking about who you're talking to? because clearly there's this idea and some people do it of tailoring the message to an audience I try not to I try to write the way that I would actually be like speaking to somebody if they were asking me for help so I'm just wondering do you kind of have a different voice when you're writing
2: I have no idea what I do I think um it definitely in my mind is like is this useful to people do I think most of the people following me are going to be interested in this so there's definitely that least kind of mental litmus test against you know whether or not I'm going to publish something
0: um and uh, sh- so what I mean more like like basically what I'm saying is that when you're doing your newsletters the the stuff that I read in the newsletter is that like your natural voice or is that you're doing I mean, we talk about. I've talked about this before about the persona that I play on Twitter, right? Where you play, you exaggerate, uh, you exaggerate whatever characteristics because you think it's going to either it's going to be funnier or whatever. But when you're writing, I'm just I'm kind of curious, like because I find when I write, I find sometimes I'm I'm going into a more kind of teacher like voice, and I try to stay away from that and try to write the way that I would actually be speaking to people. So I mean, it sounds to me like when I ask you this question, you're kind of like I don't know. stuck silence isn't the right phrase but kind of like you're no, like no. you don't know how to you don't know how to answer that no, so that and i think it's
2: because that, it's a natural i just kind of write, yeah because that's what
0: i'm thinking that you're that what you see in the newsletter is just how you would be if somebody was asking you about right
2: things. i mean how i would be if my mind was clear enough to spit it out in a format like that which is why i write stuff ahead of time um so the the newsletter is, is written because i'm a much better writer than speaker and the video casts, if I am an okay speaker at all on those are purely because I do it like ahead of time and make notes and have a, um, a markdown file on my other monitor to stare at when I'm, when I'm going through the stuff.
0: Well, that makes sense. I mean, i I mean, I know that, uh, I, I taught myself how to give talks, so it's definitely a skill you can work on. I wasn't always this good at it, but, um, uh, yeah I mean it's interesting you, you I mean I've watched some of your various stuff i like again I hear this all the time from other people I, I don't think you're as horrible as you think you are <laughs> That's good. um and you do a good job it's just this there's there's this perception too because I talked about this earlier about um you know there's this idea that People who do programming, it attracts people of a certain uh, mindset. And then, you know, people become uh, interested in programming for a variety of reasons. But I, I still see all the time basically this idea that, that the, you know, programmers, they can't learn to do marketing. They can't learn to do sales. They can't learn to do promotion. There's a lot of people, maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe this is a uh, cultural thing or, you know, they're reluctant to talk about money. I've always tried to be very transparent about the things that I've been doing. Anytime people have asked me about money related to all my side stuff, I've been very happy to talk about it because I I find it informative. and, And I'm also trying to show people like all I've done that's different from other people is that I had an idea and I had a target and I just executed until I got it to a stage that I was happy with. And here you go. So all this stuff that I've done, it's not an accident. It's not like it's a fluke. And I definitely don't think what you've done is a fluke either. You had an idea. You saw people wanted this information. You went ahead and did it. And I just think people need to understand that there's more to the job as a programmer than just writing the code. And all these things, all these extra skills that you teach yourself to do, um, you know, whether it's learning to write effective newsletters and whether to you know build effective uh, websites and write books and all this stuff. All, what, what you're doing is you're giving yourself a set of skills that when an opportunity to do something comes along, you can execute on that opportunity. When someone says, Hey, you know, do you know how to, could you do this thing? And whereas before, maybe a year ago, two years ago, you either didn't have the skills or you lacked the actual confidence. You had the skill, but you lacked the confidence to go through, do it. You can say, Yes. Of course I can do this. And you go and do it. And so this idea of you're creating opportunities for yourself to further your career. Because I can't imagine that you're putting effort into doing this sort of thing if you have not considered this to be a career, something that you are interested in doing over a long period of time, instead of just a job you're doing for the time being because it's uh, you know, it's paying the bills.
2: Yeah. And it's just definitely something that rang true for that for me is kind of building your confidence over time to just put yourself out there and information um and sometimes that is more like Fuck it. i'm just gonna do this even though i don't even know if it's good enough like or people are gonna hate it or not. um instead of actually being like yeah i feel really good about this i'm gonna put this out there
1: yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> all, right, all, right, all right all right all right i got a i got a question um. Uh, here's this is what really I think we we're all wondering about. Um. Nginx versus Apache. Do people Would just it? want to use Nginx because it's newer? And does Apache actually is it actually like super duper slow? Or if I use it, I mean, like I have I have Apache on in on one of my setups configured to act as a proxy for PHP FPM. Does it? still work fine for that is that i mean i i when i tell people that i get laughed out of the room but you can still you can still do that fine you know and i I guess i'm so maybe i'm just so used to apache that i feel like i understand it better and i do kind of feel like there's more information for it although doing what doing the proxying stuff there's way less documentation for that like uh, there's plenty of stuff for like oh set up mod php but there's not a lot of stuff for uh for doing like uh fast cgi stuff right
2: and even that changes per version especially in more recent versions of apache
1: yeah i'm using 2.4 for it and that's that was what uh by the way um that was something that bit me in the ass was i upgraded to like php 5.6 i was like oh well you know what maybe i should just upgrade to php 5.6 what's the big deal and the packages that um were provided for the Ubuntu version I'm running had. had They're like, oh here's a new
2: or a new Apache also. Yeah,
1: here's a new (laughs) Apache that will refuse to read all of your configuration. Right.
2: Also as breaking changes. But hey, good luck.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They in a point release they I I don't (laughs) know what Apache was thinking with that because I kinda thought in point releases you weren't supposed to put backwards breaking, you know, compatibility changes but you know hey whatever that's cool so yeah that just broke like the entire server when yeah I did that. that happened so, to me
2: on the fidelfer.com site which wasn't a big site or anything but you know i happened and i had to figure out um and that's actually one of my more popular stack overflow answers is like an answer on how to update from 2.2 i think to 2.4 did that change or yeah, maybe it's it 2.2 2.4. to
1: 2.4 yeah yeah, that was a complete disaster, and I wish I had gone and found your uh, Stack Overflow answer at that time. So, I'm not sure if it was before or after I did my fiasco. But right, yeah, I don't uh, yeah. how long ago it was. Um, well, so, mate, I mean, you've messed a little bit with both. Do you think that they're 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 both great products, and that, or is Nginx like just miles better, and you just, just stop worrying about Apache?
2: So. <sighs> I mean uh, I mean, on one hand, like if everything's working for you, then don't change it. Um, and on the other hand, you know, Nginx, I like the model of it a little more, I think. Um, mm-hmm. So Apache will Apache with mod PHP5, I think, is kind of like the slowest thing because it loads PHP in every single web request, even if it's like for CSS or something, because PHP is just kind of there and ready to, to be run with Mm the, you know, kind of traditional mod PHP stuff. The other part of Apache is that it's spinning up either a totally new process per web request or a process has multiple threads and... There's stuff with multiple threads, and how that behaves is, can be changed, um, which is more efficient than spinning up multiple processes, because processes, apparently, from what I've read, are expensive to create and manage and delete and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so Apache is making all these new processes and all that kind of stuff. Um, Nginx, and, and actually Nginx with a lot of newer tech, tech that is quote unquote web scale, is um, so I'm also, I'm also very cynical of everything but like but, as you um, should be
1: yes so,
2: so all this web scale stuff is like single process single thread um, and has like an event loop and it's async so it's just like Node.js or Hyproxy or Nginx or you know, all this stuff runs in like Rather than, um, so Apache you start up and it has a master process, and that master process is responsible for spinning up, you know, zero to 100 million thousand extra processes, whatever your server can take, and is configured to do in Apache. Um, while Nginx is usually just as many processes as you have CPU cores in your server. Um, so you know one, two, three, four processes. And mm-hmm. each process is just this thing that just keeps accepting new requests and and does something else while it's waiting for a response from something you know going on on somewhere else also. So it's kind of like Node.js is async thing, and supposedly for some reason that's more web scale. Um, and I think the deal is that Nginx is much more efficient for static file handling. Um, mm-hmm. To the point that like, it might not even be worth it to use Varnish in front of NGINX necessarily because it'll handle returning a static file just as quickly. It, it's just very good. The Linux kernel is very good at handling static files. Nginx is taking advantage of that and it's just returning files. Um, and that's great. And then Nginx doesn't really try to do some stuff that Apache might. So Apache, if you have mod mod.php, is going to try to load PHP and that kind of stuff. Um, Nginx forces you to proxy off requests like PHP FPM, or if you have Ruby or Python, your um, unicorn or green unicorn or whatever is taking requests. Mm-hmm. Um, so Apache... Even So Apache, when you're proxying off to PHP FPM, um, I don't know if that's better or worse or not. Because it's still the process model where it's spinning up new processes or extra threads in a process, um, while Nginx is not doing that. So supposedly Nginx is efficient enough where you'll get a benefit out of that. Um, and I don't think in any case necessarily you get speed increases so much as the ability to handle more rather than faster. You know what I mean? Like just more right. requests overall. So it's dumb in that like 10% of us have a website we're managing where this matters. I think that's the real... The only part that matters is, of all the stuff I just said is that we don't usually have... Um, an issue where it matters enough what kind of web server you're using, so then it becomes like, what are you comfortable with?
1: Right, sure, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I what was the other thing? It kind of led into that. Is is you know we this is kind of related to it, but there's there's certainly and I I guess it, it you as if you've been in doing any kind of. In doing development more than like five years, you will become cynical about how quickly people can switch to sort of new hot stuff and, and you know, uh, forget about old uh, dodgy crappy stuff that supposedly doesn't work anymore. But um, I think it came up a lot that I was having this discussion where... Um, I've been trying to encourage, as you know, I'm, I'm switching, uh, companies I work for. And the company I work for currently, not the company I'll be going to, uh, um, uses, uh, for the project that I'm on, and I think some of their other projects, uh, uses Subversion. Um, I'm not, if you gave me a choice out of, you know, a blank project that no one had started yet and wasn't around for a long time, didn't have a bunch of stuff set in it, uh, I would probably not choose Subversion because I like, uh, I like distributed version control better and I would probably use Git because that's what I know how to use um, but um, it's interesting seeing where I've been uh, trying to encourage people I think that the place I, I worked at, Network Ninja is a real good place to work and I'm encouraging people to check it out um, and uh, but I, I, when I point people to it I've had more than once I've had people say oh they're using Subversion Ugh right like that's a big killer thing for them um and you know i felt a little bit of that but once i sort of like messed with it for more than like i don't know 10 minutes i was like this really isn't that big a deal you know it works fine it works it's not necessarily there's a few things that i wish were a little bit easier or a little bit different or things like that but i think it's interesting that um uh you know there's a lot of stuff that it's not that people don't necessarily want to talk about so much anymore because it's not exciting and new to talk, you know, and, and that's not sort of like the thing that gets people probably clicking on stuff, but there's still, you know, tens or hundreds of thousands of projects that say are using for the version. Right. Um, and it's, it works very well for a lot of people. Um, and I'm, I'm curious if you've had any experiences with that, uh, you know, you uh, know, in this idea of, uh, basically like that certain technologies, just because there's a new thing that maybe, uh, is more exciting for some folks. Uh, it's not like those older technologies suddenly become useless and are an enormous pain to deal with.
2: Yeah, sort of. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Good talk. <Mee.
2: laughs> well, we're done here. No, we'll start. Uh, yeah. Um, I think, like, one thing I was playing with a while ago, not too long ago, actually, um, because it's a new technology, is playing with service discovery and basically Mm -hmm. saying, like, if I spin up a new server, getting that automatically added into the cluster of servers that are behind my load balancer. Or if a server fails, it gets ejected out. Um, And... Um, I'm trying to think in my head, like how to describe all the moving parts to that to someone like just for a video or in a a newsletter edition or something. And it's really complex. Like you have to have, um, I was playing with console, which is made by HashiCorp, which makes Vagrant also. Um, And it's a service discovery tool and also has like a little mini DNS server and um, will also monitor like whether or not your Nginx is running or something. So it can say if it's failed and something can detect that and eject that server or something. Remove it from your load balancer so something. Mm-hmm. But there's like a lot of stuff going on there. Um, the other thing you can do besides that setup is have like your Ansible or your puppet just kind of like run and it knows all the servers you're trying to connect to and it can kind of like update your Hup proxy or load balancer configuration for you. Um, and that is less complex because there's none of the service discovery stuff running and, and just dealing with this configuration and whatever. Um, and works just as well. And I've read some articles that kinda like not that they compare these two ways to do stuff, like just having like a script or Ansible or Puppet that takes care of that versus having like this automated, fully automated system. But it's just that like the fully automated system people blog about, but like, I think I see a lot more examples of, being, of people just doing what they're more comfortable with, which is like the simpler solution. Um, you know, it's not fully automated, but is under your control because you decide when to run the script and it kind of just does everything and it just works. Um, and that's not really necessarily old technology, but it's kind of like a simpler use case where you're using what you're comfortable with. What you're comfortable with works. And the gain of the very complex thing is not necessarily so good that um it's like worth really pursuing, even though it's like the latest, hottest technology type deal. So that's that's kinda like right. been my analogy to to what you're saying.
1: Right, right. Yeah, it makes sense. Chris, are you awake? I'm here. Hey, how's it going, buddy?
0: It's going fine. You feeling good? I feel fine. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> Just wanna check in on ya i'm I'm being respectful towards the guest and just letting him talk, yeah, it makes sense
1: thanks Wait. for doing that <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, i mean it is uh you know people do have a tendency to people go through i think stages in their career where they um where they chase whatever the latest technology is for a variety of reasons. It could be they're looking to um, stay employed. um, They're bored with what they're doing, but it's kind of, it's interesting. It's at some point people settle into, um, into a set of tools that they're comfortable using and, and then all their solutions are done with. I mean, I remember seeing, uh, uh, somebody saying that they've been using Pearl for 20 years and they're asked why. Cause they're like with, with very few modifications, th- tools that I created 20 years ago, I can still use today. So that's always the danger when you chase the new and shiny, that um, stuff that you wrote um sometimes even the day before will no longer work with your newly anointed um, set of tools.
1: Right. Um, and I think that, I think it's one of those things that you kind of have to put the, the, Uh, you don't sort of realize until you've been in some place 10 years and seen applications that have been around and how they can, how they stick around for a long, much longer than you ever thought Um, and that you know, uh uh, permanence uh, or or usefulness, say, you're, when you start thinking about things in terms of how useful this is going to be five years from now or six or seven years from now. Um, and I definitely have seen uh, folks, and this is all anecdotal, of course, but there definitely a tendency for people to think that, like, well, if something's in service more than two years, you have to rewrite it. You know, of course. And so it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter if something is really all that sta- stable for more than like a year or something like that. Um, and maybe it matters less if you change companies every year. I don't know. Maybe it matters less if you just assume that it's either going to, you know, get rewritten or you're going to move on to a different project and you just don't stick around for that long. But there's a lot of people who don't do that, and there, you know, I've just I've seen so many systems that have been around for. 10 years, right? Or, you know, much, much longer than anyone would have anticipated. But that is really common. And so I think if you're, you know, stability is really, really important. And knowing how, you know, being able to find information about how things work and being able to predict that kind of stuff is, is just really, really important. Uh, so that's, uh, I think that's something that probably, though, you don't appreciate until you've just been doing it long enough to see it happen.
2: You also kind crazy. of like yeah. I, I've gone through these phases where I've just picked up something new, learned it, um, and it was new and shiny, and then tried it. and then it's too complex. So like scale back on that. and And I think that's kind of a cycle people go through where you learn it, you think it's the most amazing thing ever. you implement it everywhere, and then eventually you realize that it's just not meant to be put everywhere. And that's the same for coding as it is for technology.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I suppose that's right. You you might have to actually sort of get burned. <laughs> you yeah, know, no, that's to the pain extent, of the ass right? because
2: you can't be told that's a bad idea. You're going to be like, "No, nah, I'm going to learn this anyway and do it." Like, screw your opinion. Uh, which is right. just the evolution of how people learn. It's like I have to. You have to have the experience of of something going totally wrong or just something being too complex to work with before realizing when to kind of gauge about how complex to go.
1: Right, yep, yep. Well, that's what I got, man. Chris, you got some more stuff to talk
0: about? Nah. uh, That was two I think think we've covered everything that I wanted to talk about. So uh, is there anything you wanted to ask us about, Chris? Yeah, do you want to interview us? Wow,
2: yeah. (laughs) No, I have no idea.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's because he already knows everything about us from stalking us on Twitter. Exactly,
2: I actually know everything about you. All yeah. well, your secrets.
0: Well, so, yes, so, Chris, we uh, thanks very much for coming on. Um, servers for hackers is something I suggest that all developers, you know, you should be signed up and reading this, not necessarily to, like, pour over it in immense detail, but just so that by – I read it just to try to stay on top of what other people are doing so that when the time comes for me to – be asked to make decisions about stuff. I, I feel like I'm, um, able to make, um, um, better decisions about it. To, when I start thinking about projects and, and stuff at work and new features we're going to do, um, Whereas I used to rush into making decisions about stuff just because the chance to do something new is always enticing, um, I've you know scaled it back quite a bit now, and I and I start thinking about well, you know, if we add this component in, all right, well, who's going to be responsible for maintaining this thing? You know, we have a new server, we got to rewrite code, all these things, and and Ed's Ed's talk about how where he's talking about basically how things always have a tendency to last a lot longer. Then you think they will, especially if they're making money for whomever asks you to do it. Um, you can't, uh, I mean, as a good example, when I worked for Cinecore, one of the things that I, that I got to do there that I was the most proud of is I got us off of using PHP 5.2 and that onto PHP 5.4, which of course is already super ancient but um, the idea of, of making sure that this thing that has been running forever still is stable, but still you're trying to push it forward. And I don't think you can do things like that without understanding how everything underneath the, the hood, so to speak, works. So do not be afraid of the server. Do not be afraid of the, of learning about the environment that your application is going to run in, whether it's you have a VPS or you have a, a server sitting under your desk in your office or you're spinning things up on, um, on Heroku or Engine Yard, or you know, or you're gotten into the newer, fancier stuff where you're using Docker and you have all these little Dockerized containers running on a server somewhere. Learn what's going on at a at at a the level below where your application is running, because one of these days it will fall to you to save somebody else's ass to fix something, and if you don't know how to do it, well, you might be shit out of luck and out of a job when the dust clears. So. Please check Chris's stuff out. So, uh, Ed, can you please go into it about our sponsors again, please?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was going to talk a little bit about that Wonder Network and all the awesome stuff they do. And I, I mentioned today their uh, natural load testing, uh, which is uh, tests uh, how well you handle the load. And it acts like a real boy. It's like Pinocchio. And it, um, it has, there's been some magic and that it interacts with your website like a real boy and not like some kind of robot that just hits your site over and over and it actually goes and fills out forms and gets C-Surf tokens and junk like that and does all sorts of magical things that you never thought was possible with a computer before. So that's something cool that they've got. And uh, then the our other sponsor is Rove, um, and Rove asks that if you have any uh, fully punched subway uh, cards to get a free sub if you could please send them in, an, in, a, in a stamped envelope to rove headquarters so that they can all uh, go get lunch um, and then uh, they take pictures of the subs and while they're eating them and send them to chris uh, because he's not there so if you have any uh, or a coupon for buy one get one free uh, rove could use it and um that's uh, that's what they've got going on, basically. They're in the subway game. That's it.
0: And also, if you're interested in helping um, developers who are having difficulties uh, attending PHP-related conferences, please check out on the Rove site our Rove Foundation effort to match up people with extra tickets with uh, developers who would like to check out a conference. Um, attending uh, PHP-related conferences uh, was really um, instrumental in growing my career into what it is now. I highly recommend that you that you, you try to attend as many user groups and conferences as your time and monetary budget um, can afford you. Straight up. So, Yep, so that's been it. Episode number 61 of the Development Hell Podcast. Uh, I think we're going to do one more podcast before um, PHP Tech because both Ed and I um, will be there in attendance. Oh, Ed, I guess you're not going to be there for the awesome um, KosherCon uh, outing on the Tuesday, are you? Because you're not going to be there by then, right?
1: No, I'm not going Uh, Yes, uh, because I'm scared of things that I don't know. Um, But uh, that sounds like fun. Uh, yeah, I read your tweet where you said that people should look at the prices and menu. Because not everyone is a
0: big roller like me, who's going to spend whatever I feel like spending on yeah. a nice, uh, awesome steak dinner. But people right. should check it out. Looks like we have forty people who are going to be attending. So, um, and we're going to have the place to ourselves basically after nine p.m. Mm-hmm. on the on the Tuesday. So, uh, so I know you, there's a waiting yeah. list. If people are interested, they should hit up Code Rabbi on Twitter. Um, hit up Yitz and get on the get on the waiting list. Some people may drop off or whatever, but. Uh, but enough about uh, eating awesome steak while in Chicago. So um, you can find every single episode we've ever done of Dev Hell um, that's been released since Ed holds them hostage until I beg and plead for him to release them. You can find everything at devhell.info. Every single episode um, Ed comes up with a snappy title and uh, comes up with a, an associated graphic. Uh, there will be show notes just like every, almost everything that we've talked about tonight. We'll be providing links to it um, for people to check it out further. Um, you, um, so everything is there. If you listen to the podcast via iTunes, please 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 write the podcast let us know what we're doing good what we're not doing so good at so we can just promptly ignore it and keep doing what we've always been doing um you can find us on twitter at dev underscore hell you can find me on twitter as grumpy Programmer without the u and i currently have more uh followers than uh chris does and then you can find uh then you can find ed on Twitter as funkotron with the u ed currently has more followers than me but i'm going to try to fix that no no so, no nope,
1: nope. you're screwed dude i'm going to take you uh, out
0: don't worry one day I'll blow by you like you weren't even there <sniffs> boom boom we need like a sound effect for the shot at the end of it um, I can do well, that post. so thanks everyone for joining us and uh, everybody have a good night
1: thanks. are you gonna say good night Chris yeah look at that but now I'm in there
0: you go <laughs> he's in he's in thanks for joining us Chris bye sure. good night internet.